In Spanish, the verb esperar has a double meaning, to wait and to hope. It derives from the Latin sperare, still used in Italian today. Esperate, the command wait. Esperanza, the noun hope. Wait and hope. Wait, hope. Hope, wait, hope and wait. Centered on our own lives in this world, as most people are, working just to get by, so often we think of these words in terms of how they apply to us in the first person. I'm waiting. I've been waiting for so long. I'm not waiting any longer. God, I hope I get this job. I hope I feel better. Oh, I hope I win. Fall asleep soon. Stop feeling so sad, angry, alone. And it is ever right that hope and waiting apply personally to us. And we'll come back to that in a few minutes. But for a minute, let's step back in time in the Bible. The Bible and the teachings of the Bible, especially the Old or First Testament, are really not about individuals. Sure, there are famous, real and mythical figures, individuals in the Bible around which narratives are built, stories and lessons are told. Moses, Noah, Adam and Steve, I mean Eve. But for the most part, it is about how God impacts the world, the universe, and beyond. The ancient writings are about God who was a part of everyday existence in terms of wondering what God was going to do next. Was God going to be angry or jealous or happy? <clears throat> Let's wait and see. <clears throat> I hope our sacrifice worked. Uh-oh. Here come the clouds. The gods are angry. The ancients lived in cosmic thinking in many ways, much more than we do. Their science and theology <clears throat> was the heavens and what befell them from there. It included the ground and what welled up from below. And the movement and the power of all of these events in the ancient times was life. Movement signified life in the ancient times. They didn't have the five requirements for life that we know in today's science. And the vastness and the greatness of all of these things, sometimes cataclysmic in their happenings, put God and gods into the cosmos, below the earth, way out into the stars, the planets, and even further. God was out there. And these skies where God was were as much of a book about the world as any that might be scratched or etched into the rocks or parchments or written today in some of the epic stories of powers and the universe. How many of us haven't wished that parts of Harry Potter weren't true? How many of us think they are? 
And as civilizations developed and some control over agriculture and the domestication of animals gave folks a chance to have some time for culture and wars, these cosmos were still the mystery that was turned to for fortunes, a god of the heavens who was needed to be placated or pleaded with for rain or salvation or victory over the enemy. From ancient times right to the beginning of the New Testament, the relationship between God and humans was one in which God was involved in the world, the physical and cosmological world, but not about humans' relationship with God, at least not on a personal or spiritual level that we know today. So with this in mind, listen now to Jeremiah that Annie read for us. When he talks about what we read in lighting the candle and the birth of the one who is to come that is used as a prophecy for the birth of Jesus by many. He says this, the days are surely coming, says God, when I fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And in those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. And in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it would be called. God is our righteousness. Now think about what the times must have been for a prophet to write something like that in the first place. Connect this over a millennium or so before to Luke, who later in his retelling of what Jesus said, his apocalyptic message, keeping in mind again what those times must have been like for Luke to be writing what he wrote with the end of the world in mind and the surroundings and conditions as they were. And he says, signs will appear in the sun, the moon, the stars on earth, nations will be in anguish, distraught at the roaring of the seas and the waves. People will die in fright of anticipation of what is coming. Sound familiar? And he goes on later to say, be on guard, lest your spirits become bloated with indulgence, drunkenness, and worldly cares. Pray constantly for the strength to escape whatever comes. Again, think of the first century Palestine in whatever way you can, and think about what it must have been like for him to be writing these things in those days. And then add it to today's headlines, December 2nd, 2012. World AIDS Day, overcoming fear of failure and fear of success. Taliban attack U.S. base in Jalalabad. Amid protests, Mexican president sworn in. Syrian jets bomb Damascus neighborhoods. Tunnel collapses outside Tokyo, leaving motorists traps. Two die in bus crash and overpass at Miami. Third major storm in a week hits Northern California. Region slams North Korea missile tests. New study on rising sea levels likely confirms global warming. In panicky Russia, it's official. The end of the world is not near. That article in part says this. Inmates in a woman's prison near the Chinese border are said to have experienced a collective mass psychosis so intense that their warden summoned a priest to calm them. In a factory town east of Moscow, 
Panicked citizens stripped shelves of matches, kerosene, sugar, and candles. A huge Mayan-style archway is being built out of ice. On Karl Marx Street in Chelyabinsk in the south, for those who are not schooled in New Age prophecy, there are rumors that the world will end December 21, 2012, when a 5,125-year cycle known as the long count in the Mayan calendar supposedly comes to a close. Russia, a nation with penchant for mystical thinking, has taken notice. So last week, the Russian government decided to put an end to the doomsday talk. Its Minister of Emergency Situations said Friday that he had access to methods of monitoring what is occurring on planet Earth, and that he could say with confidence that the world was not going to end in December. He acknowledged, however, that Russians were still vulnerable to blizzards, ice storms, tornadoes, floods, trouble with transportation and food supply, breakdowns in heat, electricity, and water supply. And just in case you think it's only Russians and the Chinese that are the prediction debunction issue in the prediction debunction business, NASA says the world won't end in December, just in case you were wondering. No one knows, neither the time nor the place. Not Moses, not Jesus then, maybe now. Not countries, principalities, neither Luke nor Jeremiah. But it is true that from the beginning of time, we have been obsessed with the end of time. You can hear it in the Old Testament writings and in Luke's recounting of Jesus' teachings. You can even hear it in Jesus' words. He was of those times, after all. And we know that the talk of the kingdom of God is near has had to be reinterpreted over and over for meaning when the expected end did not occur. Think of all the trouble that caused Paul in his writings. Yes, you can read the end of times and you can think of it with the anticipation that it produces. And you can hear it in broadcasts and in discussions almost everywhere ago. But what is also true is you can hear it in your own heart as well if you stop just for a second and listen. The near obsession with waiting, hope, uncertainty, joyful expectations, confusion, wars and rumors of wars, an age-free world, and time. How much do we have to get things done? How long do we have? How will time end? What is left or next when it is done? And whether one finds God in Jesus or the other way around or from a totally different direction, what is true, I believe, is that belonging to God changes everything. For Christians and the path that we follow, the New Testament turns the earlier stories around and begins the teachings of Jesus that he belonged to God and brought the message that we too belong to God and that the love of God that God had for him is the same love of God that God has for us. And so we belong to that God with Jesus, with God in all the ways we understand God and that we will always be with that God. And this message changes everything. No nation, no state, no government, then or now, has any authority over God. 
the God who knows every hair on our heads and is with us always. Yes, belonging to God changes everything. And for Christians and others who believe in the birth, life, teachings, death, and resurrection and presence of Jesus today in our lives, we have the answers to the cosmos, the earth, the storms, and the wars, the time that exists and the time that is to come, the days ahead and the promise of hope, the joy and the peace and the light now and in all times that ever were and ever will be. Cosmos and beyond, stardust and beyond, Embraced and loved and created and loved by God. And if you're unsure of any of that, remember in this time of waiting and hope and anticipation of growing light that we are loved by God. And that changes everything. And we do need to be on guard of the shadows that creep in, the warnings or the distractions on almost every page of the Second Testament. And truthfully, in most writings and teachings that include our spiritual and cosmic journey as part of their tradition, we have to be a bit careful of that. Pop psychology is full of books about living in the now, transitions in cosmology, but they are often about that egocentric hope and waiting, the esperar and esperanza that waits and hopes for us to get what we want better here, now. So Advent, on this first Sunday of Advent, this is a time of remembering and relighting our lives in the radiance of the birth of Jesus' promise and in the intersection of the timber from which the cross was made with him upon it. The intersection of the heavens and the earth and of all time that had, was, is, and ever will exist and then beyond. It is a time that is intensely concentrated in Jesus' life as a witness for us of how he and his faith changed everything. It is the intersection that tells us that everything is different since that day. Now, I think it is fair to say that all of us are waiting and hoping for better. If you are like me, waiting and hoping maybe for a stronger faith, a little less trouble with the questions some way to deal better with the suffering of the world, some way to better understand and address the difficulties of others, wondering what the eternity questions and answers to eternity are, and even the viability of religion as an institution. But if you are like me, you also have somewhere in you something that says, stay close. Hold on. I'm with you. This is God. I'm with you. You're not alone. Hold on. There is something inside us that changes everything. In whatever way it is, you may know God. Something that changes everything and brings us together here today for some reason. Here where we find a way perhaps to hold more tightly onto the hope, the joy, the love, the peace, and the light of our God in a world that tries to pry it from our fingertips all too often. Sort of amazing, isn't it? That we find this hope, joy, love, peace, and light that was written into the heavens in a new and eternal way with the birth of a Jew, a Jew named Yeshua, the parents of Joseph and Mary some 2,015 years ago. Belonging to God has changed everything. The people who have walked in darkness have seen great light. 
Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. And on us, in the darkness of the shadows of this world, the light shines. Let its brightness and all its promise intensify and be relit for us and all to see as we remind ourselves and the world that belonging to God changes everything. So therein lies the answer, I think, where it has always been. This time it was given to us anew in a stable, just as it is given to us anew every time a child is born. Let us remember our light that was given to us as a child, given to us from long before we were born, as a reminder of whose we are. And from there, everything will change.